0: At the end of a rainbow, you'll find a pot of gold At the end of a story, you'll find it's all been told Welcome everybody to another episode of Need Some Introduction? In today's episode, I will be breaking down the season finale of Moon Knight, Gods and Monsters A few announcements Firstly... The Better Call Saul episode was published on Monday night, so if you have been following those, do track it down. I do know there was an outage on our hosting platform, Anchor. You may have tried to listen to the episode and it was unavailable. It is now available, so if you do want to circle back to listen to those episodes, they're all available there, including the most recent episode. A very much a middle episode, but still useful. And in that episode, Son and I actually preemptively had had a conversation where Sona was mentioning that the female characters we maybe don't get enough of their interior motivations. And interestingly, this episode, following that, immediately following that conversation, was directed by Rhea Seahorn, Kim Wexler herself, the actress. And this is the first episode she's directed, by the way. And it very much has a Kim-centered point of view. So in that way, it's very informative. And Sona and I will be discussing all of that in our next conversation, which would be published next Monday when that next episode drops. Also, I will be watching the new Marvel Doctor Strange 2 film tomorrow night, and will be trying to get my review out as quickly as possible. So late tomorrow night, or maybe early Friday, expect to see my review episode. I was a big fan of the first Doctor Strange movie, mostly because of its very interesting design work. I love the reverse battle sequences, and I really love the way it plays with this reality. Something that I had really hoped that Inception would kind of be that way. Something that really played with the physics of the world. So they kind of gave me what I was lacking all the way back when I saw the first Inception movie. So the plot is kind of hand-wavy. And Doctor Strange has gotten to be a much more interesting character over the course of those Avengers films, honestly. But I do really like that first film for its amazing design work. And I'm very much looking forward to this next one with Sam Raimi. He of the Evil Dead films, and of course the original Spider-Man trilogy, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man trilogy. So an old hand at hyperkinetic visuals, really like the grandfather of this kind of filmmaking, and also someone who can deliver a very entertaining superhero movie. Spider-Man 2 is still one of the best, very best superhero films. And of course someone who knows how to dabble in horror and has dabbled in horror throughout his entire filmography. So I think this is a very interesting concoction. But that being said, given what they've done with this Moon Knight character, I do worry a little bit at the moment that Marvel is in right now. I will give you my final judgment on that film tomorrow. So keep your eyes and ears peeled for that update. Subscribe so you know when those updates become available. And this weekend, expect to see another episode where my sister and I just catch up on all the TV and movies and just so many things that are out there right now. Primarily, we will be discussing the second episode of Barry that was on HBO this week. And we are continuing to watch Shining Girls, the Elizabeth Moss Apple TV series, which also dabbles in multiple genres. It is a journalistic investigation show. We've seen quite a few of these Tokyo Vice, just to name one recently, and Murder Mystery, and a serial killer film, and has science fiction elements to it as well. So, quite a a confusing concoction and the reviews have been rather mixed on this series by the way but so far three episodes in the three that are available i have enjoyed this the fourth episode is dropping this week and celia and i my sister will be catching up on that in our conversation over the weekend and that will probably be ongoing considering how many things that are out there and just side conversations i'd like to have about other content beyond the scope of what we've been watching in the main episodes your scales lack balance i understand i had hoped my penance might correct my imbalance but i see now that's impossible i accept the scales regardless of the outcome they lack balance because of what lies ahead of you then we must spare the world the pain i will cause I willingly submit. What lies ahead of you is your service to me. How may I serve you in death? Your death is delayed. I once relied on a servant whose scales balanced perfectly. In exchange, I was bound to stone for two thousand years. I have disciples all over the world whose scales balance perfectly awaiting your command. They are worthy, my goddess. But you are the one who set me free. You are the avatar that I need. Serve me, and you will find peace. So with that out of the way, here we are. We've arrived at the finale of Moon Knight. Gods and Monsters is the name of this episode. And briefly what we see here, Layla has smuggled herself out with these true believers. Jack Harrow is headed towards the pyramid that houses Amit's essence and he basically needs to take this stone representation of her where she's been encased and smash it so that he can become her avatar conveniently he did leave behind the scarab which is what Layla picks up from mark's body to be able to track amet's burial ground meanwhile mark is in his field of gold cue the sting song you forget the sun in his jealous sky (laughs) and he tells Tawarit that this is wrong, that he should live in paradise and leave Stephen behind. When he turns his back, she says, don't do it. You won't be able to enter again. Seems like quite a bargain to be trapped in the underworld forever, but he does go back for his figment of his imagination, which is very weird to think about the mechanics of this. He invented Stephen. (laughs) I'm already digressing because I have many, many questions about this, but he invented Stephen. Stephen. But somehow, I guess, in this version of reality, Stephen isn't just a figment of his imagination. It has a spiritual life. It's actually a separate spiritual being who can be trapped in this netherworld. Because in my interpretation of things, I mean, Mark can just invent Stephen again, right? He invented him in the first place. But all right, I guess that's not how this works. Stephen is actually a separate being, which is interesting if you really want to explore it from a metaphysical standpoint, that you can invent a person, in your mind, and that that person could actually be a being with its own soul, (laughs) if you believe in any of that. (laughs) But regardless, regardless, he goes back into the sands to reunite with Stephen. He says, well, Stephen, if you're stuck here, I'll be stuck here too. And he reaches out to him. And just as at that moment, he is frozen in sand, just like Stephen. But this act of mercy somehow reopens the doors to our world. And they rise up out of the sand. And with an assist from Tawarit, they race back through the gates and Stephen is resuscitated. He's alone at Alexander the Great's tomb. The bullets push out of his body. And during this whole period of time, by the way, when this has all been going on, we see that in Ahmet's tomb at the main pyramid, I believe it's the Pyramid of Giza, if I'm correct, that Harrow and his followers have arrived. They've opened the chambers, entered into the tomb. The gods, or their avatars, I should say, do battle against Harrow and his followers. They're not strong enough. It's so funny they could not see this coming. I honestly thought that that one character, I don't remember which avatar he is, was in cahoots with Amit, considering how he was so manipulated by Harrow. But now they really seem to be blindsided by this plan. It's ridiculous in my mind, to be honest. But that's how we got here. It's just plot for the purpose of plot. Conveniently, this battle is occurring off camera while Layla is there and has already once been communicated with through a dead body, to Warit who says, you can be my avatar and I can help you fight. She says no the first time, but eventually accepts it. Very reluctant because she sees what's happened to Steven. But I have a feeling she's not going to surrender her armor <laughs> in the near future. She does also have a very, very kindly, seems to be very kindly God to be her chimney cricket on her shoulder compared to Kanshu and Amit. This is Tawarit, of course, who we've seen in the previous episode. And she ends up in some very cool armor, by the way. And This is maybe some of the stuff that actually works in this episode, especially the wings which are both shields and allow her to fly. But she has also released Khonshu and also rejected Khonshu to be his avatar. Khonshu without an avatar is fighting it out with Amit and losing, although not that badly yet. And he notices right away that Steven, or I should say Mark or both, are no longer alive at that moment anyway. But as I mentioned earlier, we have seen the whole drama that has been unfolding. Mark has resurrected himself. And as soon as that happens, Khonshu immediately summons himself back to where Mark is and turns him back into Moon Knight. And here we finally see some Moon Knight action. I know, or I think <laughs> Nick, my co-host on some of these episodes, will be happy to see some finally some good Moon Knight action. And we do see some pretty cool action here. We see Moon Knight's powers and we do some see some pretty cool iconography here. So first of all, we see that both Mark and Steven can share the body. We see the two versions of Moon Knight that we've seen so far. The gentleman in the suit, as well as the winged night looking moon knight persona the more iconic one and he needs to fly quickly to the pyramid of Giza and now Kanchu has become more powerful and has become enormous as has Amit as it is absorbing all these souls Haro has climbed to the top of the pyramid and is starting to pass judgment on everybody within Cairo and all their spirits are being sucked out of their bodies and are making Amit stronger and stronger she's getting larger and larger and Khonshu and her have a giant kaiju type battle it's like pacific rim or something <laughs> on the skyline this massive battle of these two gods while everybody's just freaking out and running around in the middle of egypt by the way just side note kanshu has once again darkened the sky and everybody's just taking this in stride i mean i can only imagine around the world the weather reports being like it's it's nighttime again everybody it suddenly became nighttime again I'm not sure why <laughs> we don't know what's happening we're gonna call up the avengers to find out what's happening here maybe they have a clue and of course, the Avengers and the rest of the Marvel powers have uh, not been summoned this whole entire time. They've been just kind of like, hey, it's kind of weird what's happening with the sky kind of changing and going back 2,000 years. And well, maybe we should investigate this, but but I guess, well, I don't know. It's not priority enough for the Avengers. I'm not sure what does qualify and doesn't qualify <laughs> for uh, Avengers intervention at this point in the in this series. So as I mentioned, there's some pretty cool Moon Knight imagery here. We see him like jump into the air with the full moon at his back. Very much invoking the Bat-Signal, by the way. Which, of course, should be that Moon Knight and Batman should be correlated in some way. But the show has not really pitched that relationship, to be totally honest. And then we see Harrow on the top of the pyramid. You see kind of a superhero-type imagery of Moon Knight racing up the pyramid to meet Harrow, who's running down the pyramid. They're flying through the air. You see Harrow's shooting this purple force out of the staff at mark slash moon knight they crash into the city Layla's there and they're all fighting harrow together and this is actually pretty cool you see mark sometimes controlling the armor you see steven sometimes controlling the armor and he he's learned to fight now too he's been emboldened by his successes in the past and now he's become a pretty adept fighter by the way Kanchu meanwhile is battling with amit and amit basically does say at one point that Kanchu should be on her side And he says that you're robbing people of choice. This seems like they're splitting hairs because Kanchu has killed a lot of people too. So I'm not always sure if there's such a difference between someone being bad in the moment and meeting Kanchu's criteria for revenge versus Amit looking at their life in total. And I guess the difference is that some of these people are going to do things bad in the future and she can see that and Kanchu believes that they still have a chance to redeem themselves so they shouldn't be judged until they do the bad thing. There's so little difference in what we want for this world. Why do this dance for the rest of time? You know the answer. I only punish those who have chosen evil. So do I. Only I don't give them the satisfaction of committing it. Be at my side. Once again, this kind of seems like splitting hairs because it means, (laughs) in the end, Khonshu's saying, oh, I'll kill that person. I'll just wait (laughs) another year or two until they do the bad thing. So... This show, once again, has not done a great job of delineating why these people or these two characters should be at odds with each other as much as they are. Kanju seems like a pretty bad guy also. But we really are trying to align ourselves with him here in this episode. So it's kind of strange that for a moment, at least, we see Kanju as a good guy here just because he's against Amit. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. And then when it just seems like all hope is lost, Harrow has the upper hand. Steven and Mark both, once again, lose control of the body so we've seen this before we've hinted at it multiple times there is definitely a third persona and conveniently this impossible situation to escape he blacks out and when he comes back once again everybody's been knocked out including harrow Layla's reaction to this whole thing is what was that i also find it very strange that she can just cut away with the other armor wing she was trapped against the car by some spikes of some kind and she just snaps them away and, and and releases herself. I'm like, couldn't she have done that before <laughs> in the midst of the battle? A lot of convenient plotting here. They take Harrow back to the temple because they need to draw Amit back into his physical body so that he becomes mortal and therefore loses the supernatural powers of Amit. And then theoretically they can kill him. So the spell works and Kanshu is urging Mark to kill Harrow and end this whole thing. And Steven just And Stephen and Mark together basically say, if you want to do it, then do it yourself and throws one of his blades into the dirt. And they don't kill Harrow. And this is just a criticism I have in general, also with the Batman movies. I understand the whole Batman doesn't kill people thing. All right. I understand that's his moral code, but man, I'm sorry. I'm maybe just more <laughs> cold hearted or maybe more pragmatic. But if this guy can potentially in the future kill half the population of the world or more, I'm sorry. got to weigh out those odds, man. <laughs> you got to get rid of this guy. This guy's trouble. So I'm with Khonshu on this one, by the way. And then they walk away. Okay, fine. Jack lives. Go figure. And at this point, Steven slash Mark, I mean, they really are shifting from one persona to the next in the next few scenes. And props to Oscar Isaac to be able to pull this off. But they reject Conchu, and they lose their armor. Again, they want to be freed. And Khonshu accepts. He's like, all right, I will free you. Which is interesting that he would suddenly just be okay. He's all right, sure. No problem. I mean, this never happened before. <laughs> Mark never asked to be freed from this whole thing. I guess he had the threat of Layla being the next Moon Knight. But now that Layla has rejected it, maybe he feels like she's safe. I mean, as a matter of fact, she's already another god's avatar. So he's like, yeah, I want out. And uh, Kanchu acquiesces. He's like, all right, sure. No problem. But we'll see. There's more to it. Then we suddenly see Steven and Mark back in the mental institution. This is their tortured mind palace, I guess. And Jack Harrow is there telling them, it's just crazy. None of this is real. And then we see that Harrow is bleeding and he's suddenly like, why am I bleeding? And Mark slash Steven realize what reality is. And this frees their internal personas as well. What if we disagree, Doc? Mark. What if we believe something different? (sighs) Then our work here continues. For how long? How long is a piece of string? Hey, you see that, don't you? Oh, yeah, I see it. Oh, I see it. Why am I bleeding? Yeah, I don't, I don't think you know as much as you think you do. I and mean, while well, it is tempting to accept your diagnosis, Doc, we'd rather go save the world. Potentially setting up a pretty happy ending here. They wake up back in his apartment in London and they're talking to each other. So they've unified these two personas, but we know there's more, right, people? There's a third persona, at least. And there's a pretty funny scene here, pretty happy ending here, if you want to read it that way, where they're united. He's still tied to his bed. He's like, I can't believe you live in this dingy place. And of course, he still has his leg tied. So he steps out of bed and gets thwacked to the ground, as we've seen in previous episodes. The end... Oh, wait a second. Bonus scene. We see Harrow in a mental institution. Someone's come to pick up Jack, speaking Spanish. And as he's being escorted out, it seems to be that Jack is heavily drugged here. He notices that one of the security guards has been knocked out. And he gets wheeled out into a luxurious limousine. License plate Spectre with no E. And when he gets into the car, Khonshu is there in the back with him. And says you know what mark thought he was free of me but he doesn't understand just how really messed up he really is and that's when the divider slides down and we see oscar isaac playing the third persona and he introduces us to jake lockley yet another persona played by oscar isaac and he says today is your turn to lose and they kill harrow i actually think this is the right thing to do by the way (laughs) you like i mentioned earlier You gotta just cut your losses at some point. Can't just wait for him to be bad again. And of course, in Killing Harrow, if he is containing Amit's spirit, he's also removed Amit's threat from the future. And the car drives away, and that's the end of this season of Moon Knight. I believe there will be another one, although it hasn't been officially announced yet. It has been teased multiple times. You want to know something? Mark Spector truly believed that After he and I parted ways, I wanted his wife to be my avatar. Why would I ever need anybody else when he has no idea how troubled he truly is? Meet my friend, Jake Lockley. wait okay so what is my final judgment on this show i told you last week i was mildly thumbs up on this given how strange they had allowed this show to become and this final episode really is going to help me decide whether this is worth it or not i have to say this is a thumbs down i was not happy with this at all I really was rooting for this show. I I love Oscar Isaac as a performer. I'm a big fan of Ethan Hawke and most of his performances. I do really like these filmmakers, the ones that I'm familiar with, Benson and Moorhead. I do not know this Egyptian director. Looks like there was three of them who were sharing duties, directing the episodes. And interestingly, what I really like about Benson and Moorhead in general has been how they take these convoluted mythologies and make them very much about personal traumas. And I guess that's why he got hired, they got hired to this series. But I feel like, I don't know if it's the intervention of Marvel or if it's just the strictures of what they're allowed to do. I think that's one of the biggest failings of this show. In telling the story this way, I feel like we really didn't get to know any of these characters until pretty late in the game. In telling the story this way, we don't see a lot of Moon Knight action throughout those first five episodes. We see some here. You know, we have one big, action sequence here it's more than half of this episode which is very short by the way another complaint that there's so many threads that have to be tied up so they just tie it up in one action sequence which happens a lot in avengers films and in these series i feel that the endings of the movies and the final episodes of these series have all been pretty weak even loki by the way but loki which i think was a huge success gets to avoid all that by simply just having a cliffhanger ending the season for them And of course, using the last episode to have a really great introduction to a new villain. But once again, that's just a teaser for the rest of the MCU. So it doesn't need to be a satisfying conclusion. And like I mentioned before, a lot of those Avengers films just ends with one long dragged out action sequence that for the most part, I just seem to tune out. And we have a lot of that here too. I I didn't mind this action sequence, especially considering we have seen such little of Moon Knight in action. So I did like seeing some of that. But as a whole, I don't understand why they told the story this way. I don't get a feel for Moon Knight as a character. I'm not that interested in seeing what happens to these characters in the future. And then if I'm going to start nitpicking, why, when Oscar Isaac dies as Mark and Stephen, why are there only two personas there? And I know that there's a third coffin. They even tease it here in the previous Leons that there's somebody calling from inside one of the other sarcophagus. Sarcophagi? Sarcophagi? So that is obviously this other persona. And who knows? Maybe there's more that he's not aware of. But then why would only the two of them be allowed to go on this life-balancing journey to the afterlife? He might not be aware of a third persona. But it's not like his body doesn't inhabit all three of those characters. And maybe more. So it seems like it seems completely overlooked. The rules of this whole afterlife, uh, life-balancing situation makes no sense. Tawara should have noticed right away that... Wait a second... These hearts are small. They're not full. But why is that? Is there something... And this might be a unique experience for her, although I'm sure he's not the only person on Earth that has had this situation before. Other people have split personalities also. Not that this is a realistic depiction of a split personality. I do want to put that out there. (laughs) But, you know, in the context of this comic book world, the own rules that they've created, how is it okay to only have some of their personalities here on that ship, on that cruise to the afterlife? When his body died, the other personas didn't die also? I mean, they should have. Was he just like literally physically stuck inside the sarcophagus? <laughs> is that the excuse we're using? I'm like, well, if it popped open, if I was able to open it, then it would I would have been there too. It just doesn't make any sense. Sorry. But beyond that, that's just me nitpicking. Beyond that, I just feel like the story wasn't satisfying in the way it was told. And I would say in general with Marvel, I feel like there is so often, especially with these series, all of these half measures where they want to do something bold and they don't fully commit to it. And I felt that way about WandaVision, where my version of WandaVision would be that she was in that TV world, within those episodes, and we do see this early on, she starts to see things, just every episode, more and more cracks in the reality of her world. But then we wouldn't jump into an Avengers movie while they are spying on her from beyond the wall. Those cracks would get bigger and bigger and bigger, and then she would have to make that reconciliation, have to admit the fact that Vision had died and that she couldn't have saved him. And that's when we would have seen her reality collapse. And then we would have been introduced to whatever was on the outside of that world. But I feel like they didn't have confidence to pull that off. They were afraid people would tune out if they didn't immediately show what the game was halfway into that season. And they chickened out. So they they introduced it earlier than they needed to. And Captain America and Winter Soldier as well seemed like they had shoehorned too many things in there. And they should have either committed more to dealing with this kind of racial reckoning this historical reckoning or not included it and maybe just made it some subtext in the show but once again it just felt like half measures in the way they address that which just cheapens it so it doesn't really help to just do some lip service to a topic if you're not going to explore it in any kind of detail and i feel the same thing here once again we have this situation where you had the possibility the option of making this very much about a fractured personality and going in a darker direction and not being able to trust the character Or you could have done a very stereotypical type of origin story where we see his origin early on, and then we see the outcome of that, and you could even make this kind of more of a lark, even less dark, maybe just introduce some dark elements towards the end, the dark side of this situation he's in, and really have played it all for comedy. Like, we know what's happening, and when he loses time, and he misses a date, and when he screws something up, we know why, and it's kind of a joke. It becomes like a sitcom-type situation. So it could have been even more fun in that scenario. Or you could have gone like a Batman route where we see him in full flight. He is simply an Avenger. And then little by little, it's almost like structuring it like a season of Buffy, the Vampire Slayer, where you just see the character in their full day to day. And then little by little, we develop in the background, this villain, the Jack Harrow character in this particular case. And that's not unlike, for example, the Daredevil show on Netflix, which is now available on Disney Plus as well. That's similar to that. So maybe they didn't go that route because it's too similar to something they've done before. But regardless, any one of those options, I think, would have been more satisfying than this. Ambitious, I'll give them credit, for trying to structure the show in a different way. They're definitely telling this story in a different way. But then they're still trying to put in some of those comedic elements, put in some of those horror elements, put in the action sequences, and it doesn't know what show it is, I think. And yeah, overall, I don't think this was a good finale. It had some good moments, but overall not satisfying as a season of television. Maybe, you tell me, needsomeintroduction at gmail.com if you have a counterpoint to that. Or maybe you're binging this. Maybe as a binge, it works better. Maybe this is one of those shows where you really do need to binge it to be able to pull off this particular way of telling the story. Because if you binge it all in a day or two, you don't have to wait for those payoffs. So even if they're minor payoffs, it's okay because you didn't wait that long for them. But going week to week on this, as opposed to something like Loki, for example, which I really enjoyed taking those little week off to discuss and think about this really large, complex world that they were defining and the ramifications of that to Loki and to the other Avengers characters. This was the type of show that really didn't benefit from having this drawn out storyline. And now that I'm just saying that out loud, I mean, this should have just been a movie, right? A two and a half hour movie would have given us That fractured perspective at the beginning would have introduced the villain in the middle and then would have had this action finale and then left things open saying, and what happens now? Can he be happy? What's his third personality up to? Will he be able to continue to hide that Moon Knight still exists in this third persona? And there you go. You set things up for a sequel that maybe would work for two hours, two hours and 20 minutes, but for six hours of TV for, I guess these are actually pretty short episodes. So I guess this is probably like four, four and a half hours. It's too long at four and a half hours. There's not enough material here to drag out this long. But yeah, maybe ha- at half the length. Maybe, maybe this would have been satisfying. Down on me. So if you see my girl, please send her home to me. tell her about my heart that slowly died. All right. So once again, tomorrow Keep your eyes peeled. Sign up so you know when that Doctor Strange review drops. And check in this weekend if you are watching Shining Girls. Or if you just want to hear my sister and I discussing other things that are on TV. Barry, just for one. And Outer Range, if you've been watching that. A show that I have been watching <laughs> more for laughs. laughs. I think more for as an ironic watch. But uh, that is wrapping up this week as well. So I don't know where I'm going to have that spoiler-filled final verdict on that show which i am similarly to moon knight a show that's compelling enough to keep watching week to week although i don't think it's successful at what it's trying to do but if you are going to binge that check in this weekend i will probably be putting my final analysis of that into that episode of my sister as well i hope you didn't get too offended if you're a marvel fan by my review and um hopefully dr strange and other mcu projects coming up will be more entertaining and later this month we will be going week to week with obi-wan kenobi i am just preemptively letting warning you that i am also pretty tired of the whole management of the star wars franchise but i am and i'm saying this honestly really wanting to be won over by this obi-wan series and i hope that it can bring me back into the fold i do really look forward to seeing ewan mcgregor as obi-wan battling with darth vader that does tickle my nostalgia and i don't I have a very very tiny 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 nostalgia bone <laughs> and this one is tickling that nostalgia bone for me so i do hope they pull this off i have been pretty disappointed with everything star wars related for quite some time and uh, we will be talking about that nick and i who is a big star wars fan even bigger than i'm a much bigger star wars fan than i am and still a believer <laughs> He, as a matter of fact, digresses almost every time. I've been cutting them out, but every time we talk Marvel, (laughs) he digresses at the Star Wars. So it finally can take the leash off and have him go full bore into his Star Wars thoughts. And we will probably have some very animated conversations about the Obi-Wan show. And that is coming in just three weeks. So stay tuned. That will be dropping later in the month, along with many, many other TV recaps. Hope you enjoyed the show and stay tuned for much more. Take care. From